To Moving Iron Podcast number 153. This is the third and final installment of the Categorically Speaking series of podcasts I've done here of late. So basically to recap, uh, 151 and 152 and 153 are all part of this this, this series of podcasts I've been doing. And uh, 151 was uh, basically breaking machineries down into a basically uh, chunks, you know, so you're going to have your A's, your B's, your C's, your certified pre-owned, those kind of things. And then 152 was how you're going to establish yourself on with your online presence using these various methods of what you're doing. And 153 was more of how you're going to get the customers now that you've done all this stuff, how you're going to go out and target those customers and make that happen. Now, I will say this. This podcast series that we've done is is very theoretical. Um, I've been working on this for a while. All of my guests have been working on this for a while. So we are uh, trying to figure out what's the best way and the best approach to really do this because it is a very much a cultural change. So um, working through those steps and trying to figure out how to how to get there and how to make it work. We're getting closer every every day, but it feels like sometimes I take a we take one step forward and take two steps back. So it is definitely something that we're working through. On this particular episode, number 153, I talked with Aaron Fennell, and he's been on here a bunch, and he's pretty much my my weekly regular guest, and and Aaron Aaron has utilized Twitter uh, very well in his uh, in his job now and, and what he's doing. So he's really, I talked to him about what he's doing with Twitter and how that's working and what's not working and, and kind of what the nuances of, of that whole thing are. And then I also talked with Travis Hook, and he is the used equipment manager of Ziggler Cat. And we kind of dive into some customer segmentation, what they're looking at there, and then what's the best way they can go out and source new customers and and use kind of this this approach to um, you know categories and segmentation of equipment, and how they're using that to to really kind of go out and and jump some new business. So. I hope you guys enjoy this podcast, and I hope everyone takes a listen to it and and uh, and really really gets something out of it. So, if you want to help me out, please like, subscribe, and leave a review for the Moving Iron Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Spotify, and the Global Ag Network. If you'd like to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can email me at Moving Iron Podcast at Moving Iron or you can check out my website at movingironllc.com. So until next time, let's go move some iron. I'm Casey Seymour. Out. Moving Iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Uh, today my guest is two-part guest. I got Aaron Finnell here as usual. Shows up here on, on the Friday edition of the Moving Iron Podcast that gets released on Saturday. So I guess it would be the Saturday edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. And then... Following Aaron, I've got uh, Travis Hook, and he is the used equipment manager for uh, Ziggler Cat. So we uh, both all of us here we kind of kicked around the idea of of what of what this whole categorically speaking you know mini series I've got going on here. You know, we've done fifty one, fifty two, and now fifty three. And fifty one was as a 
kind of a if you had a chance to listen to him yet, I would highly encourage you to go back and take a listen to him. But 51 was more of a breaking machines down into categories and what that looks like. And 52, 152 was uh, now that you've broken stuff down into uh, categories, how are you going to, to establish that on the Internet, on your different websites like Machine Repeat or Fastline or Tractor House or wherever, right? And then how are you going to, how are you going to use that to establish um, – traffic on those things and now the last part of that is now you've done all that stuff how are you going to get customers to come and do you know come buy your machine what's going to be your 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 whole kind of niche that you're trying to trying to capture there so got my buddy aaron on here and aaron is uh done quite a bit with twitter as far as putting used equipment out there so thought this would be a good spot for him to jump in on that kind of the not necessarily 100% going out and finding like you know I know Casey Seymour has a has a track record of buying x y and z over this you know over a three-year period I know he's probably due to buy a new combine or tractor or whatever it is but more on how you're using social media to target customers and, and draw people in so Aaron as usual welcome to the show What's up, buddy? <clears throat> Just uh, hard work and self-sacrifice, sir. That's about it. There you go. I want to interject real quick. All you right. mentioned, you know, when interject. Casey Seymour buys his combine or whatnot. The problem mm-hmm. is, this son of a bitch never pays. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just a constant stream of repossessions, and yep. sooner or later, you just got to pull the pin and walk away. Try to stay ahead of that uh, that whole curve when it comes out. I'm, I'm trying not to make a payment. <laughs> Now, on a on a lighter note, things are life is life is life right now. Spent substantial amount of time at the farm this evening. The other day, I went and got a bunch of totes of pellet and seed on the big gooseneck trailer because I got a bunch of totes and they wouldn't fit on the bumper hitch. And wouldn't you know it? It's right where you can't see your pallet forks in the skid loader. So I stabbed a bag and made a mess and spent tonight cleaning that up and dealing with that. So mm-hmm. that was a great time. Hell of a light show, though. Outstanding, that yeah. That I put on the Twitterverse. A lot of lightning and badass storm front coming through, and it's quite a deal. I saw there on the uh, the local news channel guy was chasing a, a uh, bit of a tornado there east of Alliance. Was that when you were near your place? <clears throat> um. Okay, where we live, like, six miles west of town. Right. And it stormed a little bit here, I guess, is what Brandy said. And, you know, like, coming home later on, the you know, there's asphalt road almost all the way to our house, and it was, it was dry for the most part. So it didn't do much here. Didn't even sprinkle at the farm. But between, you know, I would say... Sounded like one time when I was in the tractor, the you know weather alert thing came on, and it. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing it was about thirty or so north of town, is where it was kind of getting piss pounded. So, uh-huh. don't know what happened, but I know they got something up there because it was wicked looking, man. That's what she said, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Right on. <clears throat> so that's that was the uh only couple things today and then mm-hmm. at five oh one because you know, I'm on the clock till five o'clock. 
Right. So, and never leave early or any of that stuff. So, very often anyway. I went to. <laughs> but I'm also technically on the clock at 10 o'clock. So, there's that. Yeah. So, I went to go do that, and I left the key on in the 4430 the other day, I guess. So, I had to jump start it to process a couple barrels, and uh, it's been a it's been a day. Right on, yeah. It was. Uh, it's, it's been a and I make fun of people that have boats and campers. Well, yeah, they they don't they don't have to they don't have to deal with this stuff. They just go to the lake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're like, what's your hobby? Uh, wasting money on pretending to farm. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I get that. There's everyone's got a hobby that's just, that is a a uh, severe severe crunch on the old cash flow. I think, and I don't think you don't care what your hobby is. It's a it's a hobby for a reason because it's you only spend money on it. You don't really make any money on it, right? Right, right. I do have cash flow, right. but as far as quote unquote making money, well, let's not get carried away with that. Right? Yeah, no, I. I've got a little non-for-profit business myself, and it's working working out great. <laughs> and I'm and I'm on it. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's for sure. There you so, go. The right. only the only bright spot is if I ever had to sell out, it came out smelling like a rose. So that's campers and boats don't do that. Not very often. That depreciation catches up pretty quick. Yeah. Okay, so Aaron. If you're not familiar, has a Twitter handle called at Aaron Fennel, and at Aaron Fennel is a uh, great place to go and find deals. I mean, that's the best way to put it. You know, his uh, smoking deals, smoking deals. Yeah, it's very colorful adjectives along with the before the word deal usually on that. <laughs> and so, you, if you take a look at that, there's stuff out there. And Aaron started doing that about what a year and a half ago year ago something like that um, no it's been i think i've been doing that for let me think here real quick about three years has it been three years okay all right well so um i i, I mean from this perspective i guess this this is one of those tools that you're not really targeting like a specific customer, right? You're not going through EDA data or JD AIM or whatever it is, you know, that you're looking at that, that you can go look at different different uh, customers and, and trying to figure out what their buying cycles are and habits and, you know, what their machine is now and equity positions and so on and so forth, right? <clears throat> you're not really doing that there. This is more of a hit, hit the button and see what happens type of approach to marketing, right? And right. so when you when you take a look at Twitter, right, and you know there there are certain machines that you put out there, and and certain things that you do with those machines that that get attention. So talk about your approach to that, and and one, I guess once talk about how you got it started. Number one, kind of what what drove you to kind of do this because up until you started doing it, there wasn't a whole lot of people out there. I mean, you'd see her once in a while, I got a pickup for sale, or I got this or that, but really kind of in-depth, you know, multiple pictures and descriptions as much as you can on Twitter, you know. There, there really wasn't a lot of that going on for a, on a, as a, you know, a business-type approach. And, and you're starting to see more and more people pop up doing that kind of stuff now. So 
talk about how you got the idea to get started, and then talk about kind of some of the the bright spots and some of the pitfalls that you run into when you do that. Okay. Well, I know you mentioned, you know, like pickups for sale on Twitter and stuff, but I'm right, right now I'd be pretty bearish on six liters. So, <laughs> but uh, other, other, other than that, how, how it all kind of started is, you know, you hear, I, I think I originally got on Twitter because I listened to, you know, like XM and the pickup and a lot of the, and I listened primarily to uh, ESPNU and NFL. Yeah. And they're always, you know, when they mention somebody's name, it's always at such and such. And I always thought, oh, well, shit, you know, can have a Twitter account and see what that's all about. So I get on there and then it, you know, you can see who you know that's on there. So you kind of get look at that person and who do they follow and what have they retweeted and liked and all that kind of stuff and <clears throat> and just kind of went from there. And pretty soon, um, and I have my little stupid farm. I have a Facebook page on there, and I at the time was off of Facebook and I thought, well, I could probably do that on Twitter, too. So I had the Open Skies Twitter, and that's where, you know, and that was very, very ag-related, obviously. So that is what kind of led down the path of, oh, there's this guy and this guy, and there's this whole world of, you know, farm stuff out there. And that wasn't my target anyway. You know, my target was, you know, I want to find 30 people in Fort Collins that want you know, farm fresh lamb, you know, <laughs> if right. I got a deal for you, come and get it. Yep. But that's what kind of evolved into the farm thing. And then you'd see, you know, a guy be like, Hey, what do you guys think of this piece of equipment? Hey, you know, just reaching out one guy reaching out to all the, what do they call them? Mr. Mr. Brett said something about it today. Tweaks. Is that what they call it? I don't know. Twitter people. My, my tweaks. I get that. Makes sense. Yeah. Could be. He's 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 kind of a Twitter god though, so there's that. Yeah. So <laughs> um, you know, guys just bouncing stuff off each other. And you know, like the first thing I ever noticed what really caught my eye was and I, I chuckle about it now after, you know, two, three years on there, is starting in January until the first of May, my God the planter attachments, you know, it is, well, this row cleaner versus this row cleaner and this fertilizer system and this fertilizer system and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, the boys way down south in February, you know, they start planting and it's, it's just pretty cool. But I think the first thing that started, you know, I'd throw something, you'd hear a guy be like, well, I'm, you know, what do you guys think of this? I've been thinking about it. And without directly approaching him, you know, and most of those guys, you know, see on there, because I have on there, you know, Aaron Fennell Wholesale at 21st Century Equipments, like the name, you know, the, the bold print or whatever. Right. And then in the bio kind of list what I do. And seeing that guy, so it, what I'm getting at with that, if you 
follow someone, typically they'll look you up and be like, oh, yeah, I'll follow that guy and kind of snowball from there. So what I I think the way it started is there was a guy looking for something without directly approaching him. You know, he followed me. I tweet out almost exactly what he's looking for, kind of get the ball rolling. And um, it just kind of went from there. You know, you, you sell one, you sell two, and sell three, and it kind of becomes a part of the business, and it's a pretty big part of my business. Um, you know, and I've gotten to the point on there, you know, with making, you know, and, and to, to go on there and throw – a $300,000 8370 that there's a hundred of on Tractor House, he, he, nobody cares. Right. You know, they, they can go to Tractor House, Machine Repeat, whatever, find that. Who cares? Or the guys that will list something, and if you're interested, let me know. Well, you know, I might be. I might be interested if that combine's 100000 I might not be interested at all if it's two fifty. You know, how do you know? So, and there's times, you know, where we have something and I really want to move it and I'll put it out there and it's not, you know, it's not the buy of the day by any stretch, but you know, maybe somebody somewhere is looking for it and we can make something work. You know, that's, so not everything I throw on there is, you know, like, oh my God, you better buy this now. But that's, that's the approach I always try to hit because if you're going to throw it out there, throw it out there, man. You know, let it let let it rip and make it make it worth them to stop the scroll and look at it. So that's kind of that's kind of the approach that I do with it, and it just kind of started with you know seeing a guy want something and without being an ambulance chaser, throw it out there and see if it if the two worlds intersect, if you will. Now, what you were saying as far as guys' equity and, you know, using EDA and JDA and all that kind of stuff, which I've never been on either one ever. (laughs) It explains so much now. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, You know, you get, you get, I am... One thing that helps is I'm a tremendous machinery geek and pretty much live and breathe ag and football. <laughs> so, so the ag, you know, the the undying ag kid in me, um, you know, you know, obviously you got your certain times of the year. Don't you know? You tweet a combine in October. Best of luck to you. I hope someone has a fire and really needs that exact combine and. I'll throw it out there because you never know. You know, some guy might have a twelve six seventy, and he is pissed off and fed up, and you catch him at 6 o'clock in the evening, and boom, there you go. But timing's very important. Um, it's, you know, it, it's a price game. That's, that's a number one. Um, and having the right features, you know, that kind of thing. I'm not... You know, unless it, unless it's really if it's you know, say you take a eight two eighty five R straight axle power shift, three remotes, four remotes, you know, and 
it's run of the mill price. You know, what's the point of that? You know, you try to try to get unique pieces or home run price, you know, stuff like that. You got it takes it takes some a lot of creativity. And as far as mining customers, if you're on there enough and I'm on there a hell of a lot, you can ask Brandy. She's not a fan of how much I'm on there. But I'm on there a hell of a lot. And you kind of, in a roundabout way, get to know these guys. And then you get, so you kind of know, it's a guessing game, but you kind of know what guys are looking for. And the best part is, you know, you sell something to a guy in Texas, you sell something to a guy in Michigan, you sell something to a guy in Illinois, Indiana, you start building up this customer network that's a national network and you know pretty soon the guy in texas is hey get a hold of my buddy he's looking for this tractor and i'm like well i you know i'm gonna tell him that you told me to call him and he's like yeah that's fine and you sell him a tractor and then you know six months down the road another buddy you know hey i was supposed to give you a call because you know, you have really good deals, and you can find exactly what I want, and blah, blah, blah. You sell him a tractor, you know, and then sold a few combines this year. Guy's not even on Twitter and just like, hey, my neighbor said that you have this, and, and I'm looking for a deal on one, and sell a few combines. So it gets to be this deal, you know, and I also have gotten – relationships with guys through there where I have a what do you call that like a broadcast list yeah you know through through email and I'll get a reply back from somebody and I'm like huh you know I don't I wonder who that is and you look in your contacts and you don't have his email well go down the email and a buddy of his forwarded it to him and he replies to you and away you go. So yeah. it's it's really a really unique world and for for some podcast fodder here, it I was thinking of that the whole time Casey and I went to lunch yesterday and we were talking about the old days, you know, and, and he had a uh, guy he worked with that you know, back in the day you just happened to you know, somehow know this dealer on the East Coast when you're in Kansas and, hey, what do you got? You know, can you send me pictures? And he'd send you pictures and you'd get, get Polaroids a week later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Yep. And now, it, now it's like, hey, I happen to see this. I got the pictures. Post it. Boom. Here we go. So. Yeah, the Internet's made that. Turn my volume down here a little bit. The Internet's made that a pretty big pretty easy well made it made the world small right i mean right there was a time when when you had five jockeys that you knew and as far as you were concerned and as far as you knew those, those were the only five jockeys on the planet right and oh yeah even go back to like fast line when fast line come out late 80s early yeah, 90s like 88 89 something 87 something like yeah. that. yeah before that what the hell was there mm-hmm you know, where, you your local where, where we're from. Uh-huh. You had a local newspaper, and whatever its circulation was, that was that was the world that you covered. Yeah. 
or you know where where you and I both grew up, we had the High Plains Journal, right? Yeah, you know that pretty much covered the wheat belt north to south, and yep. you know you'd have you know J eighty eight JD forty eight fifty MFWD hours price. Right, you have no idea what the hell it is, so you got to call and then you know get pull get Polaroid yep. sent in the mail or drive eight hours to look at it and it could be a bucket of shit and you have no idea until you right. get there. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh no. yeah, I mean God plus bless too. the internet because I wouldn't even have a job right now if it wasn't for internet. So oh, yeah, that's probably true for the majority of people that actually have jobs because of the internet. So but there's a lot of those uh you know, I remember when I was a Starting this business, I'd get the fast line. I just I'd go from cover to cover and just look at all the stuff that was in there, and because you had websites, you know, you had oh, what was that? What was that one that? It's, it's still around, but it's not as popular as it used to be. Um, God, dog it! Um, e- equipment website, yeah. Equip, equipment locator? Yeah, that's it. <clears throat> yeah, I used to use the hell out of that. Yep, and, you know, you had that on there, and it was, you know, it was kind of a, it was primarily, I mean, it felt like to me it was mostly a case website. So it seemed like that was always on there, for the most part, were, were a lot of case machines. but. Um, well, the, and, and that's because back then, you know, the deer guys pretty much funneled to Machine Finder. Because it's been around a hell of a long time, yeah. too. Yeah, it's been a while. So you kind of had your case agco guys on equipment dash locator. Yeah. And then your deer guys were mostly on machine finder. Yeah. So you had you had these two websites out there that were kind of it, but they had five or six pictures on there, and they had, you know, a, a – their their description of the machine was pretty much the same that was in the Highland Plains Journal, right? And right. There, there wasn't there wasn't still wasn't enough information for you to really make it a, a coherent decision. You know, like well, I've got about ten percent of the of the information I need here, so I need to call these guys and be like, hey, you know what what's up? And they tell you the story, and that's the the evolution of of the business when you start looking at. How, how we market things digitally and then how we use that information to to attract customers or, or draw customers in or or uh, you know target specific customers or whatever that might be over the last 15 years has been just it's unrecognizable from what it was when it first started you know you, it's not even anywhere near the same it, the, the, the way we're doing things now compared to what we did in 2000 and five six seven compared to what we're doing now in 17 18 19. It's just, it just blows your mind. I mean, if you don't have a video up anymore, I, like we're kind of in that place now where videos are really starting to be kind of in a, a very a vogue thing to put on your on your website when you're looking at a listing anyway of the machine, right? And the machine's not doing right. anything, right? You, you start it up, you do a figure eight in the parking lot, and you walk around it, and you can see all the, you engage the separator on the combine, you can see everything moving and what have you, And but it's not actually pulling a disc or cutting weed or, you know, uh, planting something or whatever. You don't, you're not getting that video, right? Right. So now things are to the point now where, if you don't really have a video on your on your listing, well, 
it's kind of a waste of my time. You might have 45 pictures of high quality, you know, you, you can see every nuance of the machine, but I really need to see the figure eight before I'm going to go really give this guy a call, right? And that that part is is getting to where now we're, the amount of time that we're spending on just marketing machinery on websites is is uh, really just kind of taken off, right? It, it's really morphed into something that's uh, almost a full-time job for somebody. Right. Right. Now, and I, I know videos are gaining popularity. I guess I'm a little old school. I'm not much of a video fan, so to speak. Um, however, I will say as a buyer for my awful hobby and looking on big iron and stuff all the time, if it's a tractor, you bet your ass I watched that video because, you know, of course that's auction. That's a little different buying it from a dealer because your, your hose defeats a turd. Well, that's also you the know, thing about auction too, often, though. I mean, you take an auction yeah, piece, like yeah. you already have your guard up, right? Well, right. and that's, that's that again, that's an old school mentality, right? Because we, we've seen a lot of stuff go across the auction block over the last five years. That's have, that's high quality equipment. You know, it's gone through, the, oh, yeah. got tons Very. of reconditioning done to it. And it's, I mean, we got some really cherry pieces of equipment that have been sold via auction and that hasn't changed any. I watched an auction day Richie brothers had in Minneapolis where they had, 500 hour 9620 hours and stuff that were bringing premium dollars for what they were you know and so I mean, right. it's just it, that 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 has changed a lot but to your point on watching that big iron stuff dude i, I was looking at a, a wood splitter i don't even have i don't even cut wood i don't have a wood burning stove but i still watched the wood splitter uh video with the wood splitter working i was like <laughs> Just double, just making sure it works. <laughs> double checking in here. You know? <laughs> that's that's the whole. That's that's one of those things, you know. So, and I cut you off there, but go ahead, go ahead and back to what you're saying. But I just that video thing is getting. I to be remember a now because now I'm just thinking about you looking at that wood splitter, and I know how you are. You're sitting there going, "I like that. That works good. Maybe we should put a fireplace in the house just so I can buy that wood splitter and use it." <laughs> it did cross my mind. <laughs> you know what you could do. You get them trees that you bought on Big Iron. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, that are what four foot tall, and split them real quick, and be like, "There you go, Big Iron start to finish." Yeah, I bought those. I bought twelve of those trees on there in that auction, and I, uh, I ended up planting like nine of them because I ran out of space. I mean, I got my 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 yard's about an acre, you know, so I could kind of kind of put them in places here and there. Then I'm starting thinking about I was like, these are blue spruces, and they will get twenty five foot tall, and they're going to get 15 foot in diameter so i'm gonna have just like a, I'm gonna have a little forest in my backyard of blue spruce trees <laughs> there you go hell yeah so eventually well, i would have to like cut to one hunt, down so you can just go dove hunting in your backyard i could do that neighbors might not like me shooting my shotgun off the porch but um <laughs> it sure makes it easier you know what i mean right on so when you look at my what Okay. What, what were we talking about? Oh, the videos. The videos. The videos. Yeah. I I am, you know, like I was saying, I guess my older mentality, I'm not much of a video fan, you know, because like trading for stuff, I've had guys send me video and, you know, because keep in mind, everything I sell is out of the area. So everything I trade for is out of the area too. All right. You know, and you, you just kind of, 
get a feeling for being in this business and dealing with, especially when you only deal with people out of the area, you know. And the first time out of the gate, you kind of have an idea what a guy's stuff is like by how the conversation goes. And farmers, for the most part, God bless them, are very upfront, honest people. Um, and most everybody in ag is that way. And that goes a hell of a long way for making the, inter thing, the internet thing work. You know, it ain't like selling cars on Craigslist because that's, I do done that plenty of times too, and that's a nightmare. Yeah. But when you're dealing with farmers or people in ag, it's a whole different mentality, a whole different group of people, and it just it just works. Um, I'm I'm a huge fan of pictures. You know, I I kind of have the mindset that you know you could have an eight inch by thirty one foot bin unloading auger, and you could still take easily fifteen pictures of it that in all 15 different, all 15 mean something and do it in like 10 seconds. Right. You know, of course I do the shit for a living. That's what I do. So that's a little different, but you know, pictures tell the story big time in the world of online and yeah, videos are gaining popularity. Um, you know, the other thing from the dealership mindset of it is you and, and ever, I know every dealer fights us, talking to dealer buddies across the continent. Getting a salesman to take the right pictures and enough pictures is a never-ending, until-we-die battle. Right. So, you can only imagine, like, getting videos back that show the front tire. And, oh, I had my phone pointed at the ground as I walked around in the tractor taking a video. But we'll go ahead and upload it because I'm not driving back out there. <laughs> okay, I got, a, I got a funny story about that. So, so that, that would be the... I got a, I got a funny story. So when I, when I first started in this business, again, kid didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about farm equipment. I didn't know... That's probably still debatable today. But I, you know... There's a guy named Obviously, Eric. you sold a guy a fourteen eighty six, and we're pretty happy about it. <laughs> but, buddy, everyone has that that old guy has that old guy at the dealership, right? And he's like the kind of mentor guy, you know. And he's been doing it forever, yep. you know. And just he has done it the exact same way. Now, this guy's name was Ernie Hanemichael, and he was one of my mentors. You know, I, I really. He took me under his wing, and he's like, I'm going to teach you about this business, and did a great job of, of uh, kind of raising me up in this business, you know, and then until, up until he retired. And, uh, you know, God rest his soul, the man was a, was one of those guys I look back on in my career, and it's like I learned a lot from him and probably uh, didn't realize the lessons I was gonna, I was learning at the time. But I'll never forget this. We had to still set up and, you know, we had a uh, kind of like a generic. This is back before you really had any kind of real, real system put in place. You know, you had like an Excel spreadsheet, and you filled, you know, checked a few boxes, and and then you downloaded your pictures and you sent them in, and and it might take you two and a half hours to to send the pictures because the pixels were too big, and and da da da. You know, just a, whatever. So one day I get this thing from him, and he sends it to me, and he was the king of taking everything and putting it on a thumb drive and he lived in Great Bend and I lived in Wichita 
at the at our main office there, and, and he would he would take the thumb drive uh, off of his computer, and he would put all those pictures on that, and then he would just we had a courier service, and every night and it would just come the next day. So I get this thumb drive from Ernie Hanna Michael with you know ten pictures on it or whatever it was, right? <clears throat> Which I could never I could I could never under any circumstances teach him how to put the pictures on the attachment on the email, right? He just couldn't do it. So I get this thumb drive, he didn't come and show up and one day get, right. I, I get it and I'm I'm going through I'm like what what is it? what he had on, he had this was right like right on the cusp of, of the like the first like smartphone, right? Where you had an actual you could do more than just take pictures, you now you could take video, right? Well he had his camera on video, right? So as he's walking around taking but he thought he was taking pictures, he was just start and stop this video for like Ten sec- like one or two seconds, right? So I get these like ten or f- <laughs> ten or fifteen little two second videos of this machine walking around. And I'm like, Ernie, man, I can't do anything with these pictures you sent me. He's like, What are you talking about? I just, I, this goddamn. Every time I send something to you, it's never right. I was like, No, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. You did, you did great. You took fifteen <laughs> videos, right? So I need you to go take fifteen pictures so I can post them on the internet. And he's like, I didn't not, I. Okay, I'm coming. I'm coming to Great Bend tomorrow. We'll just go out and take a picture of the machine together. And it was it was the funniest thing because it's one of those things where kind of back what we're talking about here. Back then, no one really cared about a video, right? Nobody cared about if it was if what the video was or whatever else. And to your point now is the video is important, but the guys still want to look at those forty five pictures. And they still want to go through right. every little nuance of the machine because you're not getting everything in that video, right? But you're getting you know, you, you pull up the side shield on the combine, and and the guy takes a picture of the you know looking up, looking down, looking right, looking left, and you get a really good feel of what the machine looks like, and what what the belts look like, and what the pulleys look like, and if there's a you know if it's seeping oil or it's got a leak someplace, or the side of the engine is the cleanest you ever seen because you know the oil's leaking out so so good it just cleans off all the dirt that's there, you know. All those things are, you know, all of those things are such important things that, yeah, the video is awesome. Yeah, you get to get to get to see the machine operate and get to see it engage and do what you want it to do and all those stuff. But those pictures are always going to be there. And you know, with Twitter, how many pictures can you put out there on Twitter? Like four or five or something like that? Six? What is it? Four. Four. Those four pictures are just like your basic, you know, basically the four corners, right? I mean, that's kind of what you're posting out there is just the four corners of the machine. And then when they get a hold of you, you're going to send them the either the link to the website or the pictures or whatever it is. Um, that's the other thing, too, that's that's really changed and morphed. And you know, what we're dealing with customers now is I don't know. I, I can't remember the last time I sent someone actual pictures. You know what I mean? Like physical pictures. I always just send them the, the the link to the website and they can pull it up there and look at all the pictures on the website. I mean, it's just, Oh, right. The speed of things now is, is so much different than it was, you know, what we used to do in, in 10 days or something like that. Like, you know, the example you gave about the guy that's that would, I talked to that and I worked with that sent those Polaroid pictures. You know, he told me one day, he goes, you know, you can put a deal together. You can put a, a four or five million dollar deal together in, in probably a day if you really wanted to sit down and do it. He goes, I used to do that, and it would take me thirty days because just the amount of time of getting information between each other, you know, 
melon inspections, oh, yeah. melon pictures, melon this, melon that, melon POs. You know, this was like pre-fax machine. And it's just how, how much that's changed and how we deal with customers now. From the from the first, it's, it's just uh, it's pretty it's it's kind of a it's a mind blowing thing to think about what's a, what are ten years from now going to look like when you deal with your customers. It's going to be how how much I mean you're going to like send them a hologram of of your of your machine and yeah, you know there I mean, you go. I mean what, what are you, you going to be doing next you know so that's it's kind of a cool thing to think about. Oh yeah, absolutely. So yep. No, I, I've I've wondered that too. You know, where do we get to? You know, like video games and even other stuff. The virtual reality thing's getting big, and you know, do you do you take a video and the guy puts on his VR headset goggles, whatever, and it becomes an experience you know you're not just looking at a video on a screen it's like oh well i'm sitting in this tractor and i like the way it looks you know and right. it just becomes a whole big deal like that and that could very well be the next the next level of stuff well have you seen facebook lately they've got this uh like 3d picture thing that you can put up there have you seen that huh so i don't maybe and maybe it's just the people posting that have got some kind of camera or whatever they have but you know, they have this picture, and it's not just like a two-dimensional picture. It's actually got depth, and you can look at it, and it might just be some something that they're doing there. But that's that's something that I've, I've been seeing, and it's a, uh, I don't know. It's just crazy what's going on, what, what we're seeing happen right now, and, and, and what, what people are used to now and, and kind of deem as, as pop. Because I remember when I first started doing this out here, we get to get five pictures was a... A monumental task, right? Oh, but absolutely. When, when you were a sales guy and you were, had a territory that you're covering, and getting five or five or ten pictures was like, why do you need that many pictures? I mean, they're going to come look at it anyway, you know. And it was right. And now, if you don't have twenty pictures of a of your of a ten twenty five R, well, you, you're probably not going to have much luck selling it. And that's yep, and that's exactly. And you think get, taking twenty five pictures of that tractor is is overkill it's really not that that's pretty much if you're going to take the four corners the seat the steering wheel control area you know right there by itself that just by their six that's six track pictures then you take a picture of all the tires right that's 10 pictures right and then you start you pull the hood up take a picture of the of the engine take a picture of the the three-point pto you take a picture of of if it's got a mower deck on it i mean just in that little bit of stuff I talked right there, that's 15 pictures that you just took. Yeah, and, and you haven't really. There's still more to take. You can take pictures of the fairings of the of the hood and all that stuff. I mean, there's there's just you have to be detailed in what you're doing. And I think when you start looking at what we're doing with um, on our websites and what you're doing with Twitter and stuff like that, is um, you're you're putting out just enough information that's catching someone's someone's attention, and you're going. They're coming back to you and saying, "All right, where do I go look at this machine at? See more pictures of it, or are you sending them pictures, or whatever it is that you're doing." There's a uh, that that targeting of customers because it's begin because the internet has done such a good job of, of shrinking the entire market down to what we see now that it's not a big deal 
to go and buy that machine because you see it, right? And and obviously we're going to stand behind what we sell and all that stuff. But um, you know we're gonna we're going to absolutely give you the kind of the the same thing you would come look at if you did that. So I don't know. I think it's a it's an ever changing area, I guess. Absolutely, and it will always be that way. Oh, yeah. It will always be evolving and. Always changing, always, always, always. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about some 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 stuff we see happening in the market. So we are at that point in time now where this is the uh, the beginning uptick of of auctions, and, and we're watching auctions here pretty hot and heavy. And there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, I guess it feels like to me it started a little bit earlier this year than it started in in, in previous years. Um, I think a lot of that too is the adoption of a lot of these online auctions and how easy it is to to post stuff and list stuff on those auctions. What's your feel for the auction market right now? And and is my kind of assessment of it starting maybe a month or two earlier than we than we thought than we normally typically see in a, in a normal year? Is that a fair statement? Yes, yes, I would say it's really, really kicking off. Early and very hot and heavy. Um, it really seems like, and not so much the dog and pony show on site deal, but the online, a lot of dealers throwing stuff on auction time, big iron, what have you. There's a substantial amount of that. Um, where, or I shouldn't say where, but how that will all play out is, you know, going to be determined here very quickly, but it'll, you know, at the, at the end of the movie, there's, there's just going to be a lot less on lots. I think by the end of the year, um, talking to some other guys around the country, you know, it's, I don't want to say a flood of equipment, but there's, there's going to be a, boatload of stuff out there um so it it could get pretty interesting pretty quick i'll say that yeah now it feels like to me that there's a lot of uh just what we've seen on auction time and and big iron and and and, uh you know a a few of the other um you know kind of internet only type type of cells and stuff like that those sales bills have getting there's a lot of stuff on there man um just like I oh, talked yeah. about today, I mean that that Richie sale had some stuff on there that um, I was surprised was on that auction and wasn't on someone's lot. I mean, a five hundred hour four wheel drive with three point PTO, um, especially or didn't have three point it had PTO, but it's you know six hundred twenty horsepower tractor. I mean that there's there's people looking for that kind of stuff, you know. And um, no, absolutely. So I was I was shocked to see that. But again, I will tell you this. I watch the auction market, and I'll probably get some knives thrown at me here. But quite frankly, that that is all, that is a retail market. You know, I mean, people can argue with you all you want about that, and yeah, I mean, it's not be not bringing what the traditional, um, you know, us selling something off the lot is. But there are retail buyers that go to the auction to buy stuff. And it's not. Well, absolutely. That's, that's the world we're in, yeah. man. 
hundred percent. Yeah, it's not just just the guy looking for a bargain. It's just a guy looking for a machine, right? He's going to go look at the auction. He's going to look and see what's over here, and he knows what they're at, and he knows what the auction is, and that 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 gap between what retail and auction is is so is so sh- tight now, right? Um, but I will say this: what I have noticed here, kind of with, with stuff that. Um, I get from our, our guy that, that tracks the stuff off the internet and those kind of things, what we're seeing in auction values. You remember in, in 13 and 14 where retail values were like $100,000 higher than auction value or $80,000 higher than auction value? That, oh, yeah, absolutely. That's starting to happen again. I'm watching that, and I'm watching that stuff take place, and I'm watching these kind of worlds collide again where we've got this you know, auction on a – whatever it might be, S670, right? We're watching those things sell at auction between eighty and 100000 bucks, right? Well, there's still people out there asking for the same machine that sold between eighty and $100,000. bucks. you start, you're still seeing retail values in that 150 160 170 range, and that's really no different than when you start looking at, like, the average price, right, the whole, like, of, of the entire you know, the global amount of machines out there, you're starting to see that spread come back again. And and you thought that we would have learned that lesson that there is a a strong correlation between auction value and retail value. And, and the customer is only going to let you have so much of a premium above auction because they're buying it from a from a dealership. And I, I kind of worry right. a little bit when I see that happen. And I, I, I guess... You know what's that? What's that look like? And I think, you know, with the amount of twelves, thirteens, and fourteens that are on the market right now, irregardless of color, um, as a percentage of the business, they've become very much a commodity, and we have to figure out a way to price them accordingly retail, right? And yeah, and work our way through that. So, I guess is that is that just me seeing that? Am I crazy, or do you do you see something like that too? No, no, I think you're. I think you're right there. I think you're right. I just worry about the, that. The whole thing is going to be. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where we're at January one. I'll tell you that. Well, I'll tell you like what. Markets are going to come into play, and markets oh, are going to shape up. Yep. And that's going to change some stuff. Um. You know, it's just it's a it's gonna be it's gonna be a ride. Yeah. I'll say that. Well, I think these crop reports that are coming out. You know, we got the September report coming out. We got this October came out, and then we got the October report coming out here pretty quick. So the October, November, December reports are going to start painting a picture of what the January report's going to look like. And right, there's a company called Indigo that I've and you know I'm probably not the the forefront. Good band, by the way. <laughs> There used to be a bar called Indigo back in Wichita. I used to go to a lot. It was a little, not. little different spot, a little different spot. But they had this one drink, and you'd get like two of them, and it was you were good for the evening. But it was uh, <laughs> at the head. But anyway, this company called Indigo they they had a uh, they're using satellite imagery to to do that. They've been doing it for the last three years, and no one's really paid much attention to them to till now. But they're calling for like a one fifty five to one fifty nine uh, 
average yield on on corn well usda has got it pegged at 168 so if you start looking at that now other years similar to this which you know this year's not been similar to anybody but other years similar to this when these things have happened the usda has gone back and retracted like 13 to 15 bushels uh, an acre uh, off the average you know from uh, that's a pretty big swing when you think about the number of bushels that is right so right now what's going to start telling that story i talked to a lot of guys across the country and you do too how many guys have told you man our corn looks amazing until you get out in the field and start looking at it and right the the fill's not there um or there's some tip back or whatever it might be but from the road it looks like the best corn we've ever raised so it'll be interesting to see how these crop reports going through um the end of the year and into obviously the january crop report is always a big um big deal but i'm pretty anxious to see how those those things kind of take place and take hold and as soon as the markets start taking a run what what are farmers going to do right they're going to go out and they're going to sell their crop. They're going to start looking at buying equipment. And we saw that already when, when earlier this year when we had that, that run up to like 450 you know what I'm talking about? We had guys contracting oh, yeah. corn at $4, anywhere from 415 to 425 A few guys in that 435 range, and they were, they were doing some long-term contracts all the way out into, into 2020. So as these things bounce back around, I mean – I think the USDA is going to have a uh, a rude awakening when actually start seeing how much grain actually gets cut. Yeah, you know, so it's crazy. Good times. Yep, I it's it's going to be it's going to be a deal, man. Yeah. So anyway, all right, Aaron. Well, I feel like we've uh, solved most of the world's problems here tonight. So. If, uh, I think so. Yeah. I, I think everything's just going to be rainbows and gittens tomorrow because we got it all figured out. Yep. Gum drops. I can't wait for Donald to call me in the morning and ask for help. Well, you have to just do it through a tweet. And well, yeah, probably. I'm surprised he hasn't sent. I haven't seen checked Twitter here yet this evening, but um, the Chinese are supposed to go look at some actual Nebraska hog farms, so they were. They were going to go do that. But yeah, and they're not. They're not now, so I'm sure he's going to be like, yeah. trying as a bunch of liars. We told you guys that uh, they're going to come here, and they're, just, they're backing out on what they said, and this will just make our trade negotiations so much easier now. So I'm sure it'll be oh, yeah. work out well for us. But, um, oh, yeah. Well, here's the thing. You know, I think, and my, my dad is a very – Staunched right winger, almost to the point of chain link fence around the place. But <laughs> <laughs> don't tread on me. But uh, no trespassing, pal. He's got like I was losing my mind when this all happened. You know, like you know what? How 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 am I going to make a living? You know, if farmers aren't making, you know, if farmers are losing their ass. So am I. Right. You know. Absolute directly. They don't have to buy. They have to buy seed. They have to buy chemicals. They have to buy fertilizer. They have to fix stuff. They don't have to buy a damn thing. So, and and he was always, he says, well, I get that, and it might be tough, but this is bullshit, and it's needed fixed for a long time. And he's right. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. absolutely, that's that's the case. But 
if he if he doesn't get it fixed pretty soon, I guarantee you he will be done at four and will not even have a sniff at what eight years is. So right. Yeah. No, man, I think I mean I'm don't get me wrong. I, I I say these things about whatever and I agree. Yeah, there there's there's some trade imbalances that need to be hemmed up, put back together and and uh and and to do these these kind of trade deals that we're talking about are all all great, but I just wish someone would just take his Twitter and just like you can't tweet today, all right? <laughs> Right. You have a four-day moratorium. Right. You cannot tweet the next four days, right? Right. And then, Donald, well. <laughs> listen. Chicago isn't watching weather or actual crops. They're just reading your Twitter account. So please, yeah, just, just take take a week off. Yeah, you just, know? just or if they could figure out how to make a loop back to where he tweeted, and it looks like about you know a million people followed him. You know, all retweeted or whatever else. Yeah, what he said, right? That's just don't tweet for four days just right. don't just don't go, tweet go visit go visit Kim Jong-un again or something just, go try to you know, go try that. to buy Greenland again man or Iceland or whatever it was there you go absolutely go see if you can strike that deal yeah but yeah the art of the deal man come on yeah what's up with that just uh slowly but surely you're just, fired yeah you're fired you know, and just <laughs> oh shit! But yeah. all he's all he's got to do is get get the China deal fixed. That's it. Just get it. Done. Yeah, just get it done. You know. No Again, I will say the art of the deal. Come on, man. Right. Yeah. And just just get it done. And the even some of the blue would turn red from sixteen. Oh yeah. You know. Dude, I'm convinced. It's not just ag. It's it's so much more than oh, ag. It's everything. It's so, our entire economy. Yeah. Yeah. No shit. It's every every ounce of our economy. Thing. Yeah. I'm almost. I'm really convinced, though. I, I I think that they have a deal put together. What the hangup is is uh, President Z. Uh, uh, God dang it. Uh, Xi Jinping. Yeah. Whatever his name is. God damn it. I gotta look it up now. It's Z. It's X I, but it's pronounced Z, I believe. Yeah, G. I'm pretty worldly. I believe that's, that's correct. President G. Man, I'm, I'm dumb. I can't believe I didn't know that. President G. Right, and Trump have, are sitting in the same room together. Like, okay, cool. We're gonna do this, right? You just gotta let me. I'm, I gotta be the one that says that we won, right? And and then <laughs> right, the guy from G is like, well, I gotta look like I won too, man. Come on, he's like. I, I know that, but it's a bigger deal for me if if you just let this thing happen, right? And I'll, I'll owe you one, okay? So let's just let's just work this thing out here. And yeah, shut up, G. You're not even on Twitter. <laughs> Look how many Twitter followers I have compared to you. I mean, who's definitely going to be the big winner here, right? So right. I think, I, really, right. I think they have it figured out <clears throat> how it's going to work. They just can't agree who's going to be the big winner on you know. Trump's got to come back and say, "See, look, I told you guys. Hey, China, uh, yeah, they they bowed down to right here, buddy. I took care of them." And G's going to go back to China and be like, "Hey, see what? I told you what? These these Americans are a bunch of a bunch of weenies. You know, I took care of that." And that's that's the problem. So whenever they get yep. that, whenever they get that uh, that pissing match figured out, then they'll they'll probably sign a deal. That's that's the. Well, I mean, here's what I don't get. They can both say they won. Just get it done. Yeah. 
you know, in every in every kind of deal like that, yep. that's that's how the that's how it works. They always everybody, you know, both sides think they won, especially after this long, and it even gets done at all. Mm-hmm. Guarantee you, both think they won. So just do it. Right. Yeah, they have. Uh, just get it done. Move on. Bad thing about I need China. to sell more equipment because I got to buy more sheep, man. Come on. Well, some people have a uh, have a drug problem, and you have a a sheep problem. So there's there you, you go. Know, take care of that. Take care of that. Uh, they have AA <laughs> for sheep for sheep farmers. They have that. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I should probably look into that. Right on. All right, man. Well, feel like we got a lot, of, a lot of a lot of the world's problems solved here today. So, if folks want to reach out to Aaron Fennel, how would they do that? Well, at Aaron Fintel or Fintel is how it's spelled on Twitter, or call me, text me, whatever three zero eight seven six zero eleven ninety three. Right on, and you can find the Moving Iron Podcast on iTunes, Google Play. Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Spotify, and the almighty Global Ag Network. So uh, if you want to reach out to me, hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at any any of those at Moving Iron LLC, or shoot me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at MovingIronPodcast.com. So I guess until next week, Aaron, take care of yourself, and I will uh, see you on Monday, buddy. You bet, man. Moving Iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Today my guest is Travis Hook, and he is the used equipment manager uh, for Ziggler Cat. Is that is that correct? I have that yes, sir. Nailed it there. All right, right on, right on. Well, Travis is a uh, is a guy that reached out to me here not too long ago, and we kind of started a dialogue back and forth about some stuff. And I thought, you know what, you reached out to me, so you have to pay the price and be on the podcast. And he was he was <laughs> he was. Nice enough to be on, so I uh, I appreciate that, Travis. Thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, no, it, it's it's a pleasure. You know, I've uh, really enjoyed and, and learned a ton uh, from the conversations that you've had and the people that you brought on. Um, brought a ton of light and insight to the industry as a whole, as a whole, especially when you consider, you know, the variability that we've had throughout the you know 2019 um, spring planting season and and as we go into harvest, where the market's at and everything that's going on in the industry right on well travis let's start with this first so let's talk about your background who you are those kind of things and then talk about a little bit about ziggler and uh what they do and where they cover yeah uh so uh, my dealership experience started um with the Vermeer dealership uh down in st louis missouri was down there as a territory manager for uh four and a half years and sold more on the construction side grew up in central iowa on a farm uh, about a thousand acres so been around equipment my entire life just a a passion of mine going and uh, getting to hang out with people and and talk about a bunch of heavy machinery that can you know get things done um so had the opportunity to come on board with ziggler uh, about 10 months ago and uh, took over as the the used equipment manager um ziggler were the largest echo dealership in the country, actually. Um, we cover Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, and the northwest part of Missouri, selling, you know, everything from Fenton Challenger tractors to white planters and Lexion combines, um, running, you know, all the used equipment within that territory and helping sales guys 
make deals happen on the new side and, and help and turn those used pieces through our inventory as quickly as possible and, of course, as possibly as possible. Absolutely. No, that's the uh, that's the key of, the, of this business is being make, keeping your turn up as high as you possibly can and also keeping those margin dollars rolling in. So that's a, that's a, a very... Uh, very true statement you made there. So, all right. So this is kind of part three of uh, of my uh, kind of categorically speaking series here. I guess I've never done that before, but uh, I felt like this is something that is uh, I, I want to learn more about it, and I want to learn what other people are doing about it, and and so that's why I've, I've, I've put these out. So the first, you know, one fifty one. If you haven't listened to these podcasts yet, one fifty one, one fifty two, and then one fifty three. We're on right now are uh, are going to be. Uh, this kind of like a, a three-part series and so 151 uh dirk mitchell and i talked about um how to categorize machines and what that looked like and and you, know, you take your used piece of equipment and you put it into a bucket and, you, and you've got your really really good pieces and how you're going to represent those and what you're going to do with them and then you've got your you know so on and so forth down the line till you get to the to the not so desirable machines and what they look like and what you're going to do with those and moving forward after you trade for them and then i had uh 152 i had Lou Bordoneon, and we talked about you know your digital presence and how you're going to bring those things together from a, from a you know like a tractor house or machine repeat or fast line or someplace like that. How are you going to represent those machines and how you're going to draw the customers in based on how you've categorized them and then what you're going to do when you have them on, on the internet and, and as you're giving your sales pitch to your customers. So now that you've done all that stuff. You have to go out and find the customers to make that work. So that's why I got Travis on here, and I wanted to get his view on on what that looks like and how that works, and, and what Ziggler's doing, and, and what what they're doing to to really go out and and uh, take a piece of equipment and, and pair it with the right customer that they know is going to buy that. So Travis, why don't you jump into that and, and give us your your kind of feedback on on what that looks like? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, that's the, probably one of the funnest parts uh, about being where we're at in the territory that we cover. You know, uh, a farmer in northwest Minnesota is a completely different farmer than south-central Missouri. You know, you've got big planter country up in the northwest part of the state in Minnesota, where Missouri, you've got rolling hills, and where a 16-row planter is about all that makes sense based on the size of a field. You know, so each part of our our uh, territory is a little bit different, but at the end of the day, a farmer is a farmer, and they make buying decisions in the same manner. You know, they what the, what do they want? They want to feel taken care of. They want to know that the piece of equipment that they get is going to be reliable, is going to help them get through either, you know, the spring season or the fall season, whatever that may be. And, and they want to know that the dealership that they're buying from is going to stand true to the word that, you know, that we say we're going to do. You know, so one thing that Ziegler, you know, prides itself in is is doing what's right for the customer as a whole. So, you know, on the front front side of it, Ziegler is, is what started as a Caterpillar dealership, um, got the Agco partnership uh, a good amount of years ago, and we continued to evolve and, and develop the territory as a whole. Obviously, you know, there's a lot more presence of deer and case within our territory, especially with John Deere being manufactured right in our backyard here in Iowa. And uh, so it's very strategic. I guess it's not, I can say very strategic, but it's also, you know, we have, you know, all the shops are against us. You know, we have to kind of be creative in the way that we're marketing to our customers, as well as just making sure that 
the relationship is the most important part. Not only, you know, buying the equipment, but knowing that when we talk to the customer and we tell them we're going to do something, we follow through on that every single time. Um, so when it comes to how we go about targeting our customers, first and foremost for me and and my partner on the used equipment side, we, we really just love to get in touch with territory managers, you know, First and foremost, get your information from the guys on the ground. You know, they're the ones that are that on the front line. They're talking to the customers every single day, and they know, you know, what the guys are looking for, what kind of money they're willing to spend on, on each type of product, whether, you know, it's a planner for, for next spring or it's a new combine, used combine for this fall, uh, and or a floater, you know, for this fall as well to spread fertilizer. So there are number one customer as a whole so on a used equipment side i look at the territory managers as my customer and i ask them every single day hey what do you have going on in your territory what are guys talking about what uh you know what's hot what's something that you know isn't super intriguing or would be not advantageous for us to have in our territory um once we have that kind of information then we can kind of look and, and see what does our inventory look like you know do we have what the customers are looking for? Do we have what the industry is saying that it needs? And if we do, is it at the right price point? You know, and, and that's where, you know, going back to our digital presence and uh, categorizing machines, just as you talked about in the first two episodes, is really important to getting to here right now. So if you've got your, your machines categorized properly and you have them marketed, you hope and, and, and expect that the customers are just going to come to you because you have the machines in place. But, of course, they have to be aware that we, in fact, even have machines. Right. So, you know, when it comes to targeting them, you know, it, it kinda, we, we had a crop tour here um, about two weeks ago up in north-central Iowa that was able to help us, A, showcase uh, fence tractors as well as white planters that are now equipped with precision equipment uh, that a lot of people are still kind of unaware of that, you know, white actually works hand in hand and comes out with precision planning equipment out of the factory door. We can provide that for you on a new planner, um, you know, set up the way you exactly as you want it with some of the most precise technology in the industry uh, when it comes to planning. And so providing opportunities for customers to actually see what our capabilities are as a dealership is kind of at the forefront uh, of our targeting mindset is yes, we are an equipment dealership. Yes, we would love to do business with you, but before we even try to sell you something or just say, Hey, you should come and buy this from us. Let us show you, you know, what we have capabilities to do. What, what kind of effort are we putting into this? What is our initiative as a, as a group to, to help and maintain these relationships with our customers and continue to develop and expand our capabilities as a group as a whole. Yeah. Yep. That is a, those are all accurate statements there. So if you have a piece of equipment that you're looking at, let's say you have a, uh, I don't know, a, a one or two year old piece of equipment that is a, that's a, it's a cherry, you know, it's really super nice. It's something you'd kind of throw into that, that kind of that certified pre-owned mindset out there. How, how are you going to go out and, and, and look for that customer? Do you, do you have a, do you have like a, I don't know, like a like a use EDA data, do you use stuff like that or I guess what's your what's your 
kind of mindset as you roll into looking for these customers? Uh, you know, uh, the biggest thing uh, that, that I've seen and found in my short time in, in this role is uh, the, the industry is, is very cyclical, you know. So it's about understanding, you know, what did we sell in the past to see, well, where our hole is going to be and, and what part of the territory did, does this type of equipment um, sell well in. Because if we have uh, a 36-row planner sitting down in one of our stores in central Missouri, that's not advantageous for us because I know for a fact there's not going to be any customers that are going to buy a 36-year-old planner down in Missouri. Mm -hmm. So look at your previous sales data and see what are the buying decisions, what are the buying habits of each customer within each territory, not only from you know an AGCO perspective but as a whole, as a farmer. Well, what do these customers like to buy and then strategically place those pieces of equipment in our yard because I think all of us would agree that a farmer loves to just look at pieces of equipment. They love to kick the tires. They like to see uh, the, the equipment firsthand and, and contemplate and sit and stir and, and wonder, okay, is this, is this what I need for my farm and my operation to become as successful as possible? Because it, it's really important, especially now when you, know, you have your large, more corporate farms in quotations versus your, your small small town growers of a thousand to 2000 acres, you know, they make buying decisions on a completely different basis. And, and where the big corporate farm, you know, that's just a business decision where if it's a small town grower, that is a life decision. If they're going to invest over a hundred thousand dollars in a piece of equipment, that's not just, you know, stroking a check and saying, well, you know, hopefully this works out. No, this, this needs to work out because, it's going to make an impact directly not only on the success of my farm, but also on my livelihood because I rely on this farm to, to make my income. So it, it's about seeing who are our, our number one customers, who are, what territory do they, they live in when it, or where do they come from when it comes to that piece of equipment and, and making sure we strategically place it in the right place. And then from there, utilizing all the resources at our hand. You know, technology has been a huge resource for us, and, and I'm sure every other dealership that um, you work with and talk to says the same exact thing. You know, how do we market on Tractor House, Machine Repeat, get banner ads going, um, email blasts have been extremely helpful for us as well just to, to let customers know, once again, hey, we, we do have these pieces of equipment. Uh, let's see if it works for you. And then also just making sure that we continue to maintain contact with the guys on the ground and saying, you know, I've seen a consistent sale uh, of this type of equipment in your territory, and I think I can help you move this. What customer do you think would be a good benefit or a good potential candidate to buy this? And, and what's it going to take for them to pull the trigger and make a decision on this piece of equipment? Does that answer the question properly? Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's 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 all the stuff that that I look at and I do too. You know, we do something similar to what you're talking about. You know, we look at a bunch of different stuff. One thing that I'm I try to be keen to as much as possible, and I'm trying to figure out an easy way to, to track this so we can we can look at is is uh, you know you always have those machines that come in, and those are the ones that they don't sit around very long, and they get they get sold right away. And there's a there's a, a group of folks that that come in and buy that particular piece of equipment. Uh, year in and year out so um that's one of those things where i, I want to pay attention to that and like you said you know 
do the e-blasts and do the you know text message blasts and those kind of things and I'm trying to target those specific customers to say, hey, you know, ABC Farms is uh, trading back in there, whatever, you know, and and uh, you, you've got about three years on the one you bought last time. Are you interested in perhaps uh, upgrading or trading or whatever you want to call it? And that seems to have some legs, you know, when you do that kind of stuff and, and really sit back and, and, and kind of tear into that. Do your... Uh, do your customers ever, or your customers, do your sales guys ever, and district managers or regional managers or whatever, whatever you call them, do they have, uh, do they use any kind of like EDA data or something like that to go in and look at, at what's been sold and kind of some historical trends as far as where guys are in, in, uh, in with their, uh, with their payment structures and those kind of things? Absolutely. Um, definitely, uh, a key part, especially for a dealership like ours, you know, Ziegler is a well established, uh, dealership, 27 branches on the agriculture side, uh, on the Caterpillar side. You know, we cover Iowa and Minnesota and just have an incredible uh, family-owned company that uh, is all about taking care of, first and foremost, ourselves internally so that we can take care of the customer the best way we see fit. You know, I was, I was talking to um, our vice president of the entire company, William Hoff, the other day and was just talking about, you know, typically... If you do the right thing for the customer, it's going to be the right thing for the dealership. And so, you know, growing this dealership is something that's at the forefront of our mind right now. And looking at market share and county by county as well as state by state, you know, what kind of market share do we have? What is the standard purchasing and buying habits of those customers throughout each part of the territory to determine, well, how do we go? How are we going to target these customers now? You know? What are they looking for, and, and what can we do to make sure that we have, A, the proper people in place to sell to them so they, they feel taken care of by us, and B, um, having the right equipment and inventory to sell to them. So that's uh, on the used equipment side, that's kind of the, the phrase or the slogan, I guess, that, that me and a couple of my counterparts have started to say is being proactive with our inventory rather than reactive. So looking, you know, at the first and foremost on the sales data, EDA data, what are these customers buying decisions, buying habits on the new equipment side? So we can understand, well, if they're going to buy this piece new, what are they going to trade in? Because whatever they're going to trade in, of course, we need to bring that in. Where are we going to sell that? And, and it's not about, well, once we get it, then we'll figure it out. No, it's we know we're going to get this type of piece of equipment in, so who is going to be our end buyer after that? Because as you've talked about and what I've learned a ton from the, you know, the articles that you've written or the podcast you've had with others is, is you got to have that washout cycle in mind and at the forefront of your mind at all times. So that new sale immediately thinking, okay, who's my secondary buyer for this trade in? And then once you think about that, well, who's that customer going to be? Are they going to trade anything in? And, and figuring out, well, if they trade something in, what would that be? And what customer is that going to go? And having, rather than just one new sale on the front end and then figuring out what to do after that, more of it being having the perspective one new sale and knowing that you've got two to three used sales immediately to follow it. So that one sale actually turns into three or four right away because you were proactive about what you were going to get in for a used piece of equipment and, and we're able to turn that quickly because you're bringing in what the customers want and, and having the customers that you can sell those used pieces to. 
Yeah, no, that's uh, that's correct, man. And you got to have that 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 kind of like you said, the washout cycle is such an important part, and I I talk about that a lot. But there's having that if you know what that is and what that looks like, it's pretty easy for you to start marrying up customers or potential customers to to buy those pieces of equipment, and then you also when you know what that is and you've and you've figured that out and you've got a plan for all that, then you know what your process is going to be to with those machines when you get them that all kind of ties into that that categorization of machinery you know what i mean you start taking a look at what is your what is your certified pre-owned going to be and what is your you know uh you know your kind of next level down it's going to be the the quality pieces of equipment that that folks are looking for kind of regardless of age i mean you could have a eight-year-old combine come in that is a you know a clean one owner only driven to church on sunday type of thing you know and and just super nice um might fall into that 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 b category and and so on and so forth but knowing what you're going to do with that and knowing what customers you're going to go out and target with that is such a such a key part of that of that whole thing so um you know travis as you as you take a look at what's going on right now and you and you see how the end of the year is shaping up is there anything different that you're doing now with going out and looking at customers and you spend maybe when you started at the first of the year Oh, that's a great question. And um, we actually just uh, finished up with some meetings um, this week with our used equipment group on uh, where is our current inventory level right now? Uh, how do we feel about it on a comfortability standpoint, as well as you know, total dollars that we that we have in in our inventory? And uh, really, it's 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 seeing a trend and knowing that okay, well, wheeled row crop tractors, track tillage tractors. It's definitely a market that's still moving right now. Even though guys seem to be a little bit more hesitant on their purchasing decisions just because of the market being so um, volatile. I don't know if that would be the right word to say at it, right? But it's definitely variable, and, and not a lot of people know exactly what's going to go on. The fall looks like it could be a little bit more wet as it continues to trend that way, and it has been in the past. Those Those types of pieces are going to move, but we also see that, you know, the application market has kind of really slowed down, you know, when it comes to buying decisions and seeing the grower customer especially, their priority is buying pieces of equipment that they're going to use on a heavy, they're going to put a lot of hours on. So your grain cart tractors, your tillage tractors, and of course, you know, making a decision on a combine is always extremely important because that's your bread and butter. That's how you pull the income in, making sure that you have something that's going to be able to, to do a good job and, and bring as much of that corn or soybeans into the combine and not leave any in the field uh, is at the forefront of all these guys' minds. So as we look at that and see that those are the purchasing decisions that these guys are making, it's looking at our inventory and saying, okay, well, we need to kind of shift that a little bit more. And in our application side, we can... We can allow that to, ha- to go down and just let our application inventory do as it will for next spring and, and just kind of wash those pieces out as quickly as possible and, and go and be more aggressive with, with our tractors and our combines because that seems to be where the market's at. Where if you would have asked me that at the beginning of the year, I would have said, you know, combines were not nearly as important and uh, the application pieces might have been a little bit uh, at the forefront of guys' minds. That's kind of what seemed to be moving more towards the front of the year. So it, it's 
all cyclical as a whole, you know, goes in waves depending on what time of year it is, but it also is, is determined on the market. You know, if guys have extra money in their pocket, that's when you see them being more willing to go buy their own self-propelled sprayer. If they don't have that extra money in their pocket, uh, buying decisions are more based on production. What, what's going to help me make as much money as possible and application pieces just seem to be kind of pushed to the wayside whenever that is the, at the forefront of these customers buying habits. Yep. No, that's, that's, uh, that's all good stuff, man. Well, Travis, man, we've been going here for a little bit and, uh, man, I think you, you've got a pretty good strategy going there. So if folks want to reach out to you and ask you some questions, what's the, what's the easiest way to do that? Um, I think the best to reach out, uh, shoot me an email, travis.hook at zigglercat.com. Um, based out of our Des Moines branch office, uh, here in central Iowa, great state. And I uh, would be happy to help answer any questions anyone has. Of, of course, I'm still new to the industry and, and learning a ton uh, every single day. So even if you think you have a few suggestions for me, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, love to pick anybody's brain that would be willing to share their insight and, and knowledge that they've gained through their experience in the industry as it continues to evolve and grow um, in a lot of different ways, as I'm sure you've seen it change a lot in in your tenure, Casey. Oh yeah, it's changed a ton since I started started doing my stuff. So what's what's the uh, is it ZigglerCat dot com? Is that the best best website, or what's the what's the best website for people to go check out Ziggler? <clears throat> yep, ZigglerCat dot com. Um, you can check out both our agriculture equipment as well as all the construction uh, equipment. Um, just as a reference, I know Ziggler seems a little bit difficult to spell. It's Z i e g l e r. Um, well established company. One of the one of the great greatest companies i've had the you know, pleasure of working for um and we'd love to help anybody out that thinks that we could you know provide any help or benefit to them right on well travis i appreciate you being on the podcast and uh we'll catch you again man you bet thanks for having me and uh best of luck to everyone and have a great fall all right buddy take care of yourself you bet thank you Moving in the 21st century Hard-working people working hard for you and me Moving higher time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Moving higher